People think they're talking to a customer. They're talking to a human being. I don't want it to just stick up in the air like that. Maybe it's a little woo-woo, it's a little touchy-feely. I believe it is a core tenet of customer success to connect with the individuals on the other side of the table in a human way. And I primarily believe that because you will eventually have a difficult conversation with that person. And it is important for both of you to have an underpinning of mutual respect and of mutual understanding. All right. Here we go. Hi there, folks, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Lifetime Value, the customer success podcast, where we help you wrap up the week that was in customer success and start you off on the right foot for the one ahead of you. I am your host, the Shaquille O'Neal of Customer Success Podcast. My name is Dylan Young, and this week's guest of honor is, most importantly, a fellow Jersey native, Jersey girl. She is a reformed saleswoman. She's been a practitioner of customer success as well as a leader of customer success organizations. She has been a part of startup outfits where she was responsible for building structure and processes from the ground up. And she's witnessed and been part of acquisitions that have, at least in one case, resulted in her working for Titanic companies like IBM and Citrix. More recently, she started her own consulting offering called My Burning Words where she is an energy leadership expert, among other things, and for which I am very interested in learning what that phrase means. Today, we have Bern Risley with us. Bern, first of all, did I pronounce your last name correctly? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And, and, and that's great because, you know, some people think it's Risley, you know, but I'm like, no, that would be R-I-S-E. Sorry, yep. Sal. Mm-hmm. Well, except... There's the Isley brothers, and I think they are I S L E Y, right? So I'm I'm an enigma. Yep. There you go. And that's fine. And that's totally fine. <laughs> Burn, thank you so much for being here. How are you today? I am great. I'm great. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you, Dylan. Do you want to start off by telling us about this brand new uh thing you're working on, my burning words? Yeah. So about two years ago, I had in, uh, joined or I started in the IPEC program, which is a coaching program. There was this one Christmas two years ago and I said to my kids, you know, I said, listen, you know, I'm still working full time, but at some point I really do want to get into coaching. And that's a whole nother story. Why? But my daughter, who is very creative, created this name, My Burning Words. Oh my gosh. And so they created the domain for me and, you know, did all that fun stuff. They started me out. So that's the name. It's kind of right now, since my certifications, you know, I have like two certifications right now and I'm going for a third. My whole, the whole idea is for me to make a step towards helping leadership within the corporate space understand the capabilities of the people around them, that there really is a necessary practice to take a look at the capability of all of the employees, of, the, of your peers, of, of people on other teams, and to know that everyone can act as one. There's no judgment. And that sounds like almost impossible, but it's not. It's really just being able to raise the consciousness and the energy within 
everyone around you. It starts with one silly, stupid thing. It starts with how you show up every day. You have control over that. So you asked me earlier about like, oh, I really want to know about energy, energy experts. So one of the things that IPEC actually has as a tool, it's exclusive, is called the Energy Leadership Index. And that actually is not one of those personality tests. It's an attitudinal assessment. And it really just allows me to understand on a good day, how does Dylan show up? But what the coaching piece does, it teaches you how you can shift. Because when you shift to higher levels of consciousness, you have so much more openness and opportunity, less judgment, and the ability, the ability to have other people around you feel that same kind of energy. I've seen it. I mean, I've seen it just with myself and my husband. I've seen it with myself and my peers and my kids. And um, I want to bring that to the workplace. It's something I didn't have the whole time I was in corporate. Can I? call out the irony of a, a, a dyed-in-the-wool Jersey girl espousing less judgment. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I you love it. You can do whatever you want. This I is love it. your <laughs> podcast. I love it. I love the concept behind it. But So tell me, we're here on a customer success podcast. How right. does customer success tie back into this new endeavor? That you're describing? Well, funny you should ask. So one of the things that I'm doing today with some of my customer success clients is I'm having them find better answers for themselves on how they can meet their customer in a different way. Back, I guess maybe it was about a year ago when I got laid off from this last company, I started to do more writing. All my creative juices started to come up again. I mean, actually, I always thought that I was going to go to Columbia University and become a journalist. I just loved writing. And I am teaching them how to bring different types of conversations to the customer, how the customer can truly decide what is best for them in having this partnership. It's not about product. It's about how the CSM shows up and how that CSM can actually provide the same kind of energy that they have with the customers. So that partnership becomes stronger a lot more than just worrying about like how many check-ins do I need to have with them? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? I, when I talk to customers, typically when I'm introducing myself for the first time, mm -hmm. I will explain what customer success is believed to be, right? This, this thing of, of checking in and showing you stats. And then I, I typically talk about zooming out and instead let's talk about where your strategy lies and ways in which my company might overlap with that, ways that we might be able to help you with that. And many times that's about, you know, our ability to sell you something else, but not always. Maybe we're just connecting you with another customer that we work with and you guys can bounce ideas off one another. Am I kind of speaking the same language as, as the way you're thinking about it at kind of like that higher level of thinking? The I always, I call it zooming out. I don't know if that kind of jives with the way you think about it. I, I would accept zooming out is probably a good way only because we're so much in a default mode of, okay, here's my agenda items and I've got to make sure that I check all these off. What I'm talking about is I get on the phone with you, Dylan. Dylan, what topic do you want to talk about today? Mm, you're one of those. You put it back on the customer. And what is the goal you want to achieve before we get off the call today? By the way, how will you know that we're successful 
Yeah. Well, we ask that By question achieving all the time. that goal. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And why is it important to you? It's not about a product anymore because what, what I've learned is that we don't look at our customers as ourselves, right? We have to understand that that person on the phone is going through the same kind of mm. crap that we're going through. Mm-hmm. We have to remember that I'm, call, I'm calling you Dylan because I have to, right? How can I make that different for me and for you, yeah. right? Yeah. You have to take the call because you got this stupid project that you have to implement and you got to have this call with me. How do we make that different? Yeah. I refer to that as the difference between a business partner and a vendor relationship. And I talk about it when I'm talking to my supervisor, like we're going through my account plans. Sometimes that is my only goal. I want to be a business partner. I don't want to be a vendor because if I'm a vendor, it's purely reactionary. They don't see value in picking up the phone from me, so to speak, even if they don't know what the agenda is, whereas a business partner does. Absolutely. And you know, the other thing that's missing too is a lot of CSMs come into the practice not being a customer. And I think that's a big part of learning the psychology of taking the whole conversation and putting it back into their lap. What do you want? Because that's how you can build that. I mean, you're not going to have, there's bazillions of CSMs, right? And it's the hottest thing. Everybody wants to be a CSM. So in that role, they're not going to understand what it's like to be a vendor. I, I had the opportunity to to be on both sides. And I will tell you the absolute truth. When I got on the phone with my CSM, I was 100% prepared. And maybe because I had a background and I knew. I wanted to bring as much value to that person for taking the time to meet with me, even though we were paying for that service, mm-hmm. right? Because she was a person in a job and she did it well. And I wanted to make sure that I was not the one that was going to create more stress for her. She's also a resource, right? And resources, Mm -hmm. they are good at a thing, but they need certain ingredients in order to be good at that thing. If you thought about it as almost like a chef, a chef cannot make you a gourmet meal without, to some extent, gourmet ingredients, right? Now, their skill set can take them pretty far, but you've got to meet them somewhere on that path in order to to get what it is that you're you're looking for. If you give 5%, you might get there, but it's probably going to be painful. It's going to take longer than you wanted it to and you're probably going to hate that person by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or or you might give up. So you you may not ever get there. Whereas if you give more, you anticipate their needs more, you understand their process more, you're more likely to find success at the end of that path. But I think if I were to then kind of flip that on its head, Burn, I think mm. it is the responsibility of the CSM to help communicate that to their customer partners that they need that give and take. Because I think there are customer yeah. partners who don't understand that. And you can't boil the ocean and you can't solve <laughs> world peace, right? Yep. I always used to say, I want to solve world peace. I want this to work. You know, it's just like anything else. If you're not willing to try and get a little bit of success in changing the conversation. People think they're talking to a customer. They're talking to a human, mm-hmm. a human being. And, and I know some of your past 
your past guests have, you know, all talked about the humanistic side of leadership and all that. And it's, it's, I don't want it to just stick up in the air like that. I mean, people need to start acting like that. Well, before we get there, I do want to find out from you how it is you found customer success in the first place. So while I was at IBM, there was a, there was an, an accusation that I actually broke, broke a code of ethics. I wasn't allowed to be in sales and I could go and look for another position. Right? Scarlet letter. Within <laughs> IBM. <laughs> to be honest, it, it doesn't even matter what it was. The accusation, the accusation was considered false, obviously. And mm -hmm. I continued, I continued to work for them for two more years. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be an IBMer back then. That's that was funny. a great thing. If you yeah. was like, oh, I'm an IBMer, right? Uh -huh. And so what I did is for four months, they were paying me. and I had nothing to do while this whole investigation was going on. So I poked my way through a bunch of mainstream people. I'm like, okay, who are the movers and shakers? And that's how I found a group within IBM that was setting up an entire team to take care of like 25 SaaS companies that IBM just bought, one of them being ours because we were acquired. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's how I got into customer success. Now, the funny thing is when I started to really dip my toes into it, I said, oh my God, <laughs> this is like the confessions or the purgatory because of all the shit that I threw over the wall when I was in sales. Mm, chickens coming home to roost. Customers really do need help. I think that we need to just change some of the ways in which we are engaging and understanding where that help is because the end goal is to understand that whatever it is they are using is still attached to their own company goals. How is that driving their own revenue? And a CSM sometimes doesn't understand, like, is that really my job to really understand, like, the goals of the company? Yeah, it kind of is in yeah. a way. Yeah, sure, it is. <laughs> Well, you know, I want to go back to a point you made, and then and then we can jump into the this. I only have one topic for today. This is a little bit different than the the normal format. But before I do, I want to go back to you know what you said about you almost like minimize your touching upon this idea of making the customer success motion more human and recognizing and being sensitive that while customer success becomes more data driven more analytical, more strategic. We cannot lose the side of customer success or maybe it wasn't maybe it didn't exist in ample volume the way it should going forward this idea of connecting with these folks in a human way at the same time. I just want to call out that that maybe that's an opportunity for everybody out there that you minimized it because maybe it's a little woo-woo, it's a little touchy-feely. I believe it is a core tenet of customer success to connect with the individuals on the other side of the table in a human way. And I primarily believe that because you will eventually have a difficult conversation with that person. And it is important for both of you to have an underpinning of mutual respect and of mutual understanding in order for you to weather that storm. Whether it's a big one or a, or a minor one, I think that's a key piece to the puzzle. You know, it, one of the things that I did do early on is some of the blogs I was writing, I was writing blogs about you can coach your customer. It's really true. But the other piece to it 
is the coaching of, of the CSM. You're right. I mean, and the coaching of the leadership. What companies don't understand is that when there is that kind of synergy where everyone seems to be non-judgmental and not being collaborative, you know, like everyone's collaborating on the same thing. Oh, we're all collaborating on this project or something, but everyone is respecting each other's reality because everyone has a different pers perspective on things. And that's great. I mean, yeah. that's, that's just growth. But when you can, when you can actually take that reality and be in someone else's reality as well, that's an incredible synergy that will take your bottom line. I mean, literally will yeah. affect your bottom line. When you have people in your organization that can actually show up at higher levels of energy, it's not the KPIs anymore. It's about the people and how you're teaching them and raising the levels of energy that are making, you know, making the business happen. I would also argue, I think there's a final piece there that we haven't touched on yet. So it, there's this human connection piece. I think being able to look at the world through their eyes, mm -hmm. through their reality, as you mentioned, I think what that affords you is the opportunity the trust, the equity, whatever you want to call it, to then say to that person, hey, I totally get your side of the story. I think you get my side of the story. Now, we've got to agree on some rules of engagement that are going to allow us to compromise and do what we need to do together. I think it's only through that piece that you mentioned, being able to understand their world, what what is important to them, both personally and professionally, for you to really get there and to do that most successfully. I would 100% agree with that. And the other thing too is like what leaders sometimes don't understand, don't do is there may be a set of beliefs, you know, from the top down. Oh, we do things this way and this is what we believe in. And here are the five core competencies, you know, that you need, mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. Sometimes it's important to just take a deliberate pause and rethink or relook at what that belief system or what those values are that will work for not only the people that work for you, but for your customers. So take a look at that. Understand what are the belief, what's the belief system and the values of all the people that work for you? How does that look? Maybe things need to change. Maybe things need to be updated. Okay. Typically during these conversations, I've got like three or four things that are sticking in my mind from conversations I've had that week around customer success. And I'll be honest that this week was a little bit light. And I don't know if that's my fault or if it's the failure of the overall community. I'm going to blame the community. So everybody out there, if you could get your stuff <laughs> together, please. No, I'm kidding. But one thing that caught my attention this week is, is this groundswell of folks talking about customer success is a company-wide department, period. And what I'd like to do today is unpack that a little bit because I think it is rife with questions, with contradictions, with opportunity, but a lot of complications as well. And so somebody who's done this before professionally at all levels of customer success and that now is trying to lead other folks through this wilderness, I want to understand from you what, what does customer success as a company-wide department mean to you? I'm going to go back to one of my favorite movies and see if you can guess, because it is on my bucket list that I will do this monologue at some point. So Marissa Tomei and my cousin Vinny, <laughs> it's a trick question. Nobody can answer that question. 
you do a great Marissa Tomei. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I I think I probably agree with you, but that's what I'm trying to get at is this could mean different things to so many people. Maybe blue sky scenario. What does a company-wide customer success initiative look like to you? I think what the problem I have when I am trying to unpack that in my own brain yeah. is that customer success to me is a set is a set of functions that became a practice because of technology and subscription-based products. Okay. Yeah. So to me, if I said to you, sales should be a company-wide department, right? Does that mean that you're going to like do sales? No, you're not. I think. But you hear that long... all the time. First of all, you hear that all the time. Everybody's right. in sales. Everybody, right? everybody is in sales. Right. So is this everybody's a in sales? Is this the same kind of bullshit? Is this a cop out for a CEO or or any other customer success leader to say everybody's in sales? Everybody's in customer success. I think that customer experience, which is completely different than customer success. Mm -hmm is company-wide and that's the point that i think is is necessary to make for anyone listening to this podcast customer success is a function sales is a function product engineering they're all functions the company will fail when any one of those functions is not operating correctly it's part of a whole customer experience is different that means that the people that are leading the charge, starting with the C-level, has been able to embrace their employees with an understanding of a customer-centric type energy. I don't know if I think the word is energy or... Mindset. I think that's... Minds, I, I hate the word mindset because people use it too much. <laughs> okay. So Once is enough well, for me. I guess... So what I'm saying is if I'm a CSM leader and I'm going to product and I'm like, what the hell happened? You just had a phone call with my customer and they're pissed off because you pissed them off. Obviously, there's no customer experience that has just been created throughout the organization. It seems very central to only customer success. Mm -hmm. And I think that is difficult too. I don't think that that's an easy thing to have. That's why when you have the ability to understand how that product guy shows up every day. Is he showing up as a victim? Is he showing up as someone who's tolerating stuff? Or is he showing up when he's on the phone with a customer and he realizes there's an opportunity here? Mm. Wow, that's a great way to drive some innovation. What a great conversation, Mr. Customer. I can't wait to share this with Byrne. I know that you and Byrne have a great relationship. How different is that? I just can't believe that that product guy got on the phone with your customer without you. That's where I'm at. Why isn't Burn on that phone call? You know, why should Burn be on the phone call? Let's yeah. talk about productivity here. When you have people who are employees within an organization and feel that they have to like, oh, I can't talk to this person here because I can't do it unless I have these three levels of approval to talk mm -hmm. to that person. Mm -hmm. It should be completely horizontal. That's how you bring innovation. That's how you bring out the capabilities of the people that are working for you. You're paying these people. Well, let me ask you, you might this, as though. well get their capabilities. I have a rebuttal, though. If, rebuttal, let's do it. 
if you're working in a, let's say a medium sized company mm -hmm. and you only have a handful of customers that really lean in and engage with you in a partnership way, then your product folks, your marketing folks, your sales folks with references, they're all trying to reach out to your customer to engage with them about different things. And so mm -hmm. what I've seen in previous roles is that's where the, the protectionism comes in is, hey, we've got to protect this guy's time. If you want to talk to him about a use case or a user interview, and we also want to call him for references, and we also want to ask him about product feedback, then he's not going to want to get on the call to talk about realigning on his strategic goals and trying to sell him more stuff, which is ultimately what customer success is trying to do. Retention and expansion. We need to protect those first and foremost. What do you say to that? Because while I do agree with you, yes, we should all be in harmony and lockstep and anybody should be able to talk to my customer at any point with certain caveats that can't be the case in, in certain life cycles of organizations. Totally agree. And it, it goes full circle. So Dylan, you are the product guy and you want to talk to my customers and it all, it all boils down to what is your relationship with all the different teams? How do you work with them? How do you get them on the same level of energy you are? Hey, there's tons of opportunity here with these top 10 customers I have. Guys, here's a proposal. This is what I'd like to do. And you have a meeting with your marketing, your whatever people and your product people. I'm going to get them all together for you. And I'm going to allow you to, you know, ask what you can drive that. Mm -hmm. But what happens is there's so much reaction. There's so much, you know, all of a sudden the product and marketing department, they have some goals that they have to reach and they have to talk to 15 customers, you know, by the end of the month or something like that. And out of 15, 10 of them are yours because you have these great customers. Just kind of have to be ahead of the game and start to build those relationships with the same people, same people internally as well as your customers. It's, it's no different. You'd it, want them to treat you the same way, you know? Absolutely. It sounds like, this is not meant to be minimizing in any way, but it sounds like many of your solutions revolve around understanding your counterparts better, whether they're internal or external. No, it's about understanding yourself, understanding how you can show up every day. So when I show up here with you, I'm at definitely like a very high level of energy, trying to hold myself back from the Jersey stuff a little bit. We're relating. Um, We're relating on Jersey <laughs> stuff. And first of all, you making that comment only reinforces it. I don't know. There's nothing wrong with it. Not I mean, at all. I, I just, I, you I know, like it. it's just, just it's who we are. Exactly. If I came on this podcast and I'm like, hey, so, um, yeah, I, I think customer success uh, should be company-wide. Yeah, what do you think? How does that serve you? No, uh -huh. So I am showing up. I understand where I am. I can look at people. I understand what level of energy they're at. I mean, it's just a, it's something, you know, that I've been able to do. And I can coach people on how they can shift their energy. And whether or not it, it serves them, the types of energy that we have is either anabolic or catabolic. Both of them are not good or bad, and both of them are not positive or negative because we need to have energy too that allows us to go down deep into the rabbit hole and feel it and then 
we have to know how to get out of it too, because it happens to all of us. How long do we stay down there is really how well we understand how to shift ourselves back up into higher levels of energy, showing up. I'm telling you, it's a huge, huge difference in someone that may be doing a very transactional job every day, mm-hmm. right? Let's let's just get a picture here. Uh, CSM, maybe went out on maternity leave, came back after four months. Her clients are probably all over the place and not in great shape because they were like the back seats of maybe some other CSMs. Not to anybody's fault. I've seen it. It happens. How does that CSM show up every day knowing brand new baby? You know, so that's a whole nother full-time job, mm-hmm. right? Taking care of clients that, oh, nice of you to come back and also do it with a really high level of energy in order to see the opportunities that are available, Mm -hmm. in order to be able to have certain levels of capability that come to them in order and and also serve them well, serve them better. Okay, fair enough. So it's about you. It's (laughs) not about the people that you're in. They are the beneficiaries of you coming to the table Mm -hmm. with more energy and more self-awareness, but it is about yourself first and foremost. Totally about yourself and how you show up. Now, when you do that, you can see the difference in others in the way that you are showing up for them. Got it. Okay. Now I'm sorry about that rebuttal. Did I win that one? You can, you can, (laughs) that's fine. I'm feeling, I'm feeling sedate today, so you can have it. (laughs) I want to move. Maybe we can fight some more in our next segment. My favorite segment, the one where where people air their grievances, a la Frank Costanza. And this is BS in CS. Biggest load of crap I've ever heard. Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Burn, if you could choose one, what is the trend, catchphrase, or otherwise related to customer success that you would like to see done away with forever? Experience matters is bullshit. So you have a problem with experience mattering or not mattering? Okay, good one. Yeah, good one. So I have a problem with someone who has an incredible set of skills that may have come from a a different career career and not be able to apply them and be a top candidate for a CSM position. You're seeing this a lot. We see a ton of teachers coming into the CS space. Mm -hmm. And I actually don't know a ton about their experience. Are Are they having trouble finding jobs, so on and so forth? But I think this is apropos for that set of folks to understand that you have their back. But what would you say to the folks that are out there using that as a limiter for the folks that they look at? How can they reframe their mindset or or how can they look at those skill sets outside of customer success as as value adds? I can only tell you from my own experience. So one of the CSMs that I had on, one of my, I think my second team at Citrix, he, he was 12 years a teacher, psychology teacher, okay. 12 years. And all of a sudden wanted to be a CSM and came into a program through Citrix, but I hired him on my team. He started our public sector arm. Wow. He he was absolutely amazing. I mean, huge shout out to, I'll call ST. Those are his initials. Anyway, the other thing is I have a client. You're not going to believe this. This woman, sports science. 
she helped uh, skiers that had disabilities. Oh, wow. And she put plans together for so they can continue to ski. She used to put like workouts and all kinds of stuff. And then she went into like medical supplies for disabled people and stuff like that. She did she did all that for a while. And, you know, she was reaching out because she wanted some advice on how to interview well because she wanted to get into customer success. I just had her start to understand what her strengths were. I had her, you know, kind of articulate to me talk to me. What did you do with those athletes? What did you do when you were talking to those, those vendors? And I'm like, that's exactly what you need to be telling these people who, that you're interviewing with. You need to be telling the stories. And um, it was funny because she, um, she sent me a note on WhatsApp two days ago and she got an offer from the one company. She had two offers and she got an offer from the one company that she really wanted to work for. And I was so excited for it. That's fantastic. So was it Sports more science, sports science, but that was just a jumping off point for her. I mean, she did a lot of different stuff. You could tell she had a passion. Was your advice largely about how to translate those skills and experiences into a way that a, a hiring manager would understand? Part A, yes. Part B was for her to understand how they translated. Okay. For her to really understand what exactly you know, does that mean when I did that? And how, you know, and how do I tell the story? Because you can tell a story, but if you can't draw the connection, it's not going to, it's not going to happen. It's not going to make it. Can I give you a rebuttal then? So, yeah. It's not that experience doesn't matter, but it's our mm -hmm. ability to speak the same language about our experiences and how it does not matter if you did the exact same job previously. But if you applied similar skills to achieve similar outcomes, regardless of what the widget is in between. That's, that, that is fair. And one of the reasons why, you know, I thought about this is because, you know, quite recently I was at a meetup and I really felt bad. And, and maybe it's just because these CSMs that didn't have experience or were trying to get into customer success, maybe it's because they didn't know how to tell the story. Bern, I want to wrap it up. I want to wrap up our conversation today. And the way I like to start is to ask you to call out your CS player of the week. Who out there is moving the customer success profession forward in the past seven days in your eyes? Who do you want to give a shout out to? Yeah, I want to give a shout out to a good friend of mine, Christy, Christy Falterasso. She is just someone who I absolutely admire. She's just absolutely a rock star. I love that she's my friend and she has been a really good friend in the last year for me with some of the things that I went through with the last company I worked for. Mm. And um, she's one to be reckoned with. Shout out to Christine. Uh, referrals and recommendations, Burn. If you could take the audience members and point them in the direction of any one thing or activity, and it does not have to be customer success related, maybe it's a really good book you read lately, or a cause you're passionate about, what would that be? So I think one of those way, way, way out books that that almost anybody you know might read, but it's kind of like a, a very interesting book. It's called Uncovering the Life of Your Dreams. It's by Bruce D. Schneider. And uh, it's, it's very interesting because it talks about the different realms of dreaming and lucid dreaming Ooh. and how you, yeah, it's really exciting. And 
kind of gets you into that understanding of things that you are thinking of, like if, you know, Dylan wants to be this incredible, like world-class podcaster, you know, then you will, you know, things like that. Sure. No, it's really, it's very, very um, interesting book. I mean, it's the one where I can't say it was good or bad. It was just so interesting. I actually listened to it and read it. So I did both. Um, so that's the book podcast unfuck your brain <laughs> sorry it's a real one i like um, it it's awesome it's this this woman is a harvard law school grad she's a feminist and she's a coach and she's hilarious and uh she has always great topics and she brings on guests and stuff like that so those are my two recommendations um burn where can folks connect with you uh, they can connect with me uh, on LinkedIn. They can connect with me on Facebook. Uh, my email is burn at myburningwords.com. Don't try and go on my website. It's not live yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it will be soon, as soon as my brand designer, she's been beating down my door. That is her some stuff. burn and burning with an E, everybody. And we'll put that in the show notes so it's Thank easy for everybody you. to that is right. Everybody to find. And so I would ask, where can folks learn more about My Burning Words? But your website is not ready. Can they go to anywhere on LinkedIn for any more information on that? Yeah, so I have been posting some, blo some blogs and, and I have a video that I'm actually releasing right after you and I are done. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I think would be interesting for me to say on your podcast is that this other um, accreditation that I'm looking to gain, there's a certain amount of hours I need. So I am actually looking for additional clients or groups like people leaders and their teams to come on board with me at a reduced rate to do some coaching and consult with them. I get the hours, they get my expertise and uh, hopefully Maybe by the end of April, I should have enough hours and then I'll take the test and get my ICF certification. So, so is the best way for them to reach out regarding that, just find you on LinkedIn, send you a DM or the email? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, they can do that. And and um, I think I've been sending out like stuff through my um, email platform. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for taking the time. And I look forward to uh, catching up with you again soon. I do as well. Thanks so much, Dylan. You've been listening to Lifetime Value, the podcast for customer success professionals. If you like what you've heard, please rate our show and subscribe wherever you find your podcast. Please note that the views expressed in these conversations are attributed only to those individuals on this podcast and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of their respective employers. For all inquiries, please reach out via email to dylan at lifetimevaluepodcast.com. Find us on YouTube via our channel, Lifetime Value, and find us on the socials at Lifetime Value Podcast. Until next time. When I tell you all the stuff that you need to do. Oh, don't I know. Start a business. Oh, How about God. to publish a podcast, anyway. Burn? <laughs> this is Burn Risley. And you're listening to Lifetime Value, the customer success podcast, the only one you should be listening to. Wow. Okay. So everybody, I did not say that. I am friends with all podcast creators <laughs> in the customer success space. 
If you have pitchforks and torches, you take them to burn Risley's LinkedIn. You leave me the hell alone. I didn't have anything Absolutely. to do with that. Absolutely. <laughs> he did not. She's ready for a fight. <laughs>